welcome to episode 13 of Video Game Consultation. My name is Jeremiah Potter. I'm sitting on a couch. You're on a couch. I'm on a couch. And uh, couch joining talk. me, as always, is my friend Zane, Mr. Mowbray. How you doing? Good. Good. It's been a great week. And better yet, you know where we are? On a couch. On a couch. <laughs> We're on a couch. That's <laughs> part of my week. Hold the microphones today, but... I kind of I think I like this better. Seems more relaxed. Yeah, the microphones are a little heavy. Like we'll 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 walk out of here looking like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh yeah. But my, I mean my, I guess I have chest and triceps was a few days ago. So oh. I'm like I'm not I'm doing all right. You okay. can always just switch hands. You know when you get tired and then you get that's pretty smooth. I'm nervous to switch. Oh really? Yeah, I got oh, these it rings on. Doesn't really come through on the audio. You never know what'll clink. I guess not, but like. Eh, it's fine. This isn't a professional podcast. This is number 13. 13? Yeah. That's that's 12 more than people thought we'd get. That's 13 more than people thought we'd get. <laughs> <laughs> um Jeez, <laughs> what a what a great what a great start to this whole thing. Well. Anyway, so what we do here is we we talk about games from perspective of us. Right. I don't I think we're trying to we're still like figuring out exactly what that means. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking forward to what I think we're going to be able to, to do with a few of these. And this this is our first episode that I think really, really breaks the mold of what we've done before because it's not really about news topics, uh, frankly, because, like, there hasn't been a ton of stuff. Yeah. There's been a handful of things here and there, but in terms of something that I think we would really want to go into, other people have done it better and have already done it. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. I don't think that answered what we're doing, but that's what we're doing. So we're just going to start off with our with our normal thing, talking about what what games you're playing, just to just to get into the groove. So what's been going on, Zane? It's been two weeks, I think, because we had to cancel next next last week because exams, right? Um, and then um, we almost had a fumble this week, but we got together to figure out the scheduling. So so what have you been up did. to? Thanks to your flexibility. Thanks um, to your flexibility, dude. <laughs> um, so. I've been playing some of The Witness. I know. I think I've talked about that on the podcast before. It's a little puzzle game. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was a free Xbox Gold game, like back when you and I were probably in middle school when they started that whole program. It was like I don't I don't know if it was back. Was in it school. that long ago? It's been I feel a long like it was time. high school. It, it could be high school, but it's, it was one of the earliest Xbox Live Gold titles. Okay. Um, and so I downloaded it then, and I played it a little bit, and then I stopped playing it. And um, I got back into it just over the last couple of weeks, and I've been playing it with you know, um, playing it with some buddies in the dorm, and it's kind of interesting. It's just like it's so aggravating that you need like six sets of eyes on the screen at all times <laughs> for this game, because uh, you know there's environmental puzzles that you can just like look at from a certain angle, and yeah. someone's like, "That looks like a couple lines. Why don't you try drawing on that?" And I was like, "Oh, wow, you're right." I wouldn't. I would have never seen that because mm-hmm. I'm busy focusing on getting to the next puzzle because I can see the next puzzle. Um, so that's that's the game I've been playing, and it's it's a little aggravating. Yeah, that's kind of what I heard about the witness. Is like it's good, but it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I know last time we talked, I think I was finishing up Cana uh, Bridge of Spirits and right. Radiant Historia. I did that like the day or two after. Mm-hmm. Um, just got the platinum on Cana, and then. Got the whatever was the perfect ending on the Radiant Historia, which Nintendo needs to get on like a trophy system. 
or something. It really bothers me that they don't have that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I really didn't play much in between that and the next week because I was kind of just waiting for Horizon. I think yeah. I like I put in Riders Republic and like screwed around with that for a little bit. And that's yeah. fun. I don't have a whole lot to say. Um, it's neat. Uh, and then I, I played through Journey because it was like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'd never done that. And I, I think that's one of those games where like when you go in with expectations, it's not the experience that it should have been. Right. And that game's pretty old at this point. It originally came out on the PS3. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I got the exact experience, but I can still really see like what it was. Yeah. I think I just don't get to... I can appreciate it. I just didn't get to experience it the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but the, the main two things that I've been playing for the past couple of weeks are uh, Horizon Forbidden West, since that came out. Jeez. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about that for a minute. Uh, I saw a tweet... Um, and when I saw it, I was like, this is perfect. This is like exactly my thoughts on this thing. And it was, I'm 16 hours into Horizon Forbidden West, and I still haven't reached the Forbidden West. <laughs> it's like you start off and like you're in the Daunt, which is like the western part of where you are in the first game. Right. It's it's not the same map, but it's like that same region. Yeah, it's just like transposed um, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, story-wise, it's like in the same area but it's a new place like you've never been there before oh, okay. but it's still like similar geography and similar culture and that sort of thing gotcha gotcha and then once you i guess spoilers for like the first 10 hours whatever then you go to no man's land which is like the in-between and i'm still in no man's land it's like my goodness <laughs> this is so this is so long but man it, it, the assassin's creed horizon <laughs> oh yeah um <laughs> no but it's 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 despite that tweet being funny um, I don't remember who posted that. That sucks. But it's really, really, really good. It's weird because the first thing that really jumped out to me is it's been years since I played Horizon. I platinumed it when it came out originally. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Um, plays really well. Super cool world. Yeah. Really good story. Um, I think the best combat I've seen in an open world game, I think. that. That's fair. Um, it's very, very good. And all that applies to the sequel, and they up the ante in, in lots of ways, especially in terms of progression, mm-hmm. and the, the robot dinosaurs are really interesting. <laughs> uh, for a while, I was like, oh, this story isn't really gripping me in the same way, mm-hmm. because it doesn't have like this really interesting uh, mystery, where in the first game, I don't know how I didn't see some of the things coming, mm-hmm. but it like blew my mind when they, when they hit me. Yeah. And then in this game, I was like, eh, you know, it's fine. And then you get to a point, and I verbally went like, oh, shit, um, because they really throw something at you. And I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, yeah. because it's so new. But suffice it to say, they they still have some tricks up their sleeve yeah. um, that make me like rethink the first game. And I'm not, you know, again, I'm like 15 hours in. I haven't reached the Forbidden West yet. Right. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm playing that. Uh, oh, but the, the other thing that really jumped out to me in addition to that stuff is, like, there's all these side characters from the first game that are returning to, like, do more side quests. I'm like, I don't remember you. <laughs> like, I watched a 30-minute recap of the first game so I could get it, you know, back in my memory. And then they have a little recap in Horizon. And then they have all these, like, side characters. And I'm like, what? 
Like, there's one chick. She's like, oh, I'm Hawk and you're my thrush. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but we can go fight this giant robot turtle. That's fine. (laughs) Um, That's terrible. It sucks. And and it's like, I knew that character at one point in my life. Right. I assume. Honestly, they could have completely made that up. Yeah, what if if it's just some inside joke with the developers? To put in, like, a bunch of psychers that are like, remember me? And (laughs) you totally don't I mean, there's a six-month gap in between the first and second game, so I guess it's possible that it's like, oh, this and this. But if you look at their bio, it's like, oh, they fought in this battle that was at the end of the first game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, yeah, I don't remember you. Like, I remember the big mystery plot points and the the things that were like big surprises i don't remember lots of these side characters would you say and i'm sorry to interrupt no you're good would you say that you're uh that the game is definitely a, a continuation of the first story or is it is it, are they pretty disparate oh yeah it's it's very much connected because there's the first horizon it ends and you're like okay awesome good ending mm-hmm. and then there's like a post credit scene kind yeah. of and it's like what and so they just kind of continue on with that yeah okay um but yeah, it's, it's really good. I don't have a whole lot to say about it as of now because I, I feel like I haven't fully explored the systems completely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, you haven't even reached the Forbidden West yet. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm still in the same like biome or like similar views. It looks gorgeous. It's one of the best best looking games I've ever seen. Um, better looking than Red Dead 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot better looking than Red Dead 2. <laughs> I mean, Red Dead 2 looked really good. Red Dead 2 wasn't in 60 FPS, though. That's true. That's true. Um, although I know some people are playing on uh, on fidelity mode as opposed to performance mode. Mm-hmm. And I think I have like a 30, 32, 36 inch monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't think it's big enough to really make use of a performance mode or, re- or require a fidelity mode mm-hmm. in the same way. So I pretty much always play on performance. Yeah. But I, I think I think we discussed that we think performance over fidelity is. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know some. The reason I say that is because some people set, have said, "Oh, with Horizon specifically, oh, fidelity you, adds lots of detail." And I'm oh, like, okay. I, I feel like my screen might be somewhat too small to necessitate that. Yeah, in some way. Although I, I have noticed it from time to time, mm-hmm. but I'm like, the 60 FPS lets me appreciate the the vaster details, the overall right. composition more than 30 FPS does. Right. Whereas, yeah, I might miss out on. Oh, that little thread isn't as clear on this person's person's clothing, but I get to see the vista way smoother. And I don't know. I also think that you probably sit close enough. Like your setup is, you know, conducive to you sitting closer. Mm-hmm. So you you pick up on those things anyway, regardless of how close or far away you are. You know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, but in any case, uh, that's that's what I've been playing alone. I haven't gotten like super far in i had a had a weekend and i put in a lot of time then but over the week i haven't been able to as much um life comes at you fast yeah um and then with my fiance i've been playing uh we played danganronpa uh trigger happy havoc on Mm -hmm. the on the playstation for uh was that geez that might be like a year and a half ago now yeah super good like it's a psv to visual novel um, and so now we're playing Danganronpa 2 together. <laughs> and it's so good. It's ridiculous. Um, they have, I want, I have like a few collectibles, not a ton, mm-hmm. but I have like a handful of statues and amiibo and stuff. And I'm like, I, and I've never, I, n- I never want like a plushie of yeah. anything. And then Monokuma happened. I'm like, I want 
a monokuma teddy bear because that <laughs> dude is terrifying um it's really interesting uh, really good writing it kind of got me it makes me want to play more visual novels mm-hmm. it's kind of a genre that i haven't delved into too much and so i think i, I got a paycheck and i ordered like uh ace the ace attorney trilogy yeah. and the um whatever it's called like the great ace attorney chronicles and then mm-hmm. i downloaded uh because it's free uh doki doki literature club <laughs> on my pc which uh looks really it's like something that i'm i'm confident i probably will never own physically mm-hmm. because i'm like I, this feels like kind of embarrassing because it looks like it looks like a harem anime right. like a like a dating visual novel yeah that's kind of weird mm-hmm. but i know it has like twists and turns and it's actually like a i guess a horror game oh wow that's um, pretty neat but yeah i mean that's <laughs> i guess that could be a spoiler because it presents itself on its on the front like on a cover or on on some marketing as like a cute game but then you start to play it and it's like and i haven't played it yet i've just heard that you start to play it and it's like this game is really disturbing you should only play it if you're an adult <laughs> and then it has like that cute japanese music following yeah. it right after so it's kind of clear what they're going for but interesting yeah, have you ever played any visual novels i guess you mess around with like some of the telltale stuff those are kind of they're getting there. Yeah, it, I, I think those those probably bridge the gap more than anything else I've ever I've ever done. They're you know they they look like comic books. They behave yep. like comic books. Um, but no, I that's the that's the most I've done. Yeah. And so I guess kind of explain a little bit if you, if you don't mind what like the gameplay of a visual novel is like. Uh, is so it, it depends on the visual novel. So some right. of them have like some story decisions. You can have different endings and things, but it's mostly just like reading dialogue, looking at some some paintings some artwork that goes with it and okay. just it's like about kind of the combination it, it feels like kind of the of digitalization of a dis, digitization of comic books in okay. a sort of way and that it ends some adds some motion to the mm-hmm. art and adds like music and uh auditory punches and yeah, things okay. so, um, so is it kind of like a like a spot it type thing where you get like a whole thing and you have to like pick clues out of a, a frame or not, not it's, really it's never really has those elements in terms of at least danganronpa i know ace attorney has like some mm-hmm. investigation elements yeah Dangan- that, that's the one i'm most familiar yeah. with is, yeah. um danganronpa has um a thing where the, the premise of, of danganronpa is that like you're one of these students who wakes up and like has no memory of like how they got there or what's been going on for a little while mm-hmm. and you're stuck in there with this with like 16 or 17 other kids or you know high school students um of this place called hope's peak academy this is the first one at least and this like mechanical bear comes out and he's like and you're locked in there you can't leave there's like cameras everywhere and this mechanical bear named monokuma comes out and he's like obsessed with despair and he's like if you want to leave you have to kill someone and get away with it and so the, the lots of the gameplay involves like when someone dies you have to like investigate and then you go to a trial and you have to like analyze everything and figure out who did it mm-hmm. um and it's really really engaging that sounds um, awesome it's it's cool if if you i, I think it's on dude danganronpa's on game pass now i forgot to, i forgot to tell you about this you have to play it it's okay. fantastic like you have no excuse it's so good um for for visual reference jeremiah's eyes got as big as beach balls yeah and he remembered i, I loved i love danganronpa i i need 
I need something. I got the physical version on the Switch, and I, I'm like, that's not enough. I, I need like I need a Monokuma, or you know, at least like a security <laughs> camera in my room to feel like I'm right, like you're you know? being watched. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, awesome. No, I'm not doing that. But <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll, we can just glance over a couple news topics but i don't want to get too far into them um because we have a a grander main discussion for today planned um so i know uh horizon forbidden west dying light 2 released those are those are big things i'm excited to play dying light 2 once it's like not as buggy right because i love the first game yeah um the psvr2 headset was shown looks like a vr headset yeah i mean i'm excited for that because that's the first vr system that i'm probably gonna buy yeah um, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, the Uncharted movie released. I it's, haven't seen it yet. It's as in as as the kids say. I think we discussed this on last episode. Very mid, apparently. Very mid. Yeah, that, I feel like that is the best you can hope for. Mm-hmm. I'm going this weekend to see it, and it's like I'm not. I'm not excited for it. I'm just like I have to. It's like <laughs> I don't want to see, you know, Mark Wahlberg Sully. Yeah. I don't think Tom Holland doesn't bother me that much in terms of casting near as much as most people and near as much as Mark Wahlberg but I don't know there's something about him being Spider-Man to me now yeah it's difficult to like break that association yeah I think I think that contributes to it and also um my my big thing is he looks too much like young Nathan Drake like in the game you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. Nathan Drake. Well, he is supposed to be like right, a younger, right, right. but like child Nathan Drake. Oh, <laughs> like, like I still, I think he looks too young for the Nathan Drake they want mm-hmm. him to play. Anyway, yeah. um, and it's like, you know, he's not just slightly more grown up, young Nathan Drake. He just looks like young Nathan. He just has a baby <laughs> face. So yeah, I, 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 honestly, I would, I would have taken Tom Hanks as Sully. Tom, and, oh, Tom Hanks would have been great as yeah. Sully, and then Mark Wahlberg as. <laughs> Nathan yeah. Drake sooner than I took what we got. Yeah, it just feels it kind of feels too late for an Uncharted movie. Also, yeah. I've been kind of firmly in the camp of Uncharted doesn't need a movie. I agree. Um, I don't think you can really. I don't know how much you can do with it, but I mean, it's a commercial success, so seems to be doing bomb. something. But you get that kind of star power, you're going to have a commercial success. Yeah, it didn't bomb, but they also released it in February. Like, That's true. Like they like babied this thing. They're like, <laughs> let's not let's release it. You know, a considerable amount of time before the Batman, mm-hmm. and like uh, after I can't remember the last big movie that came out. But it's been a yeah. while since the last big movie. I'm came not out. a movie buff, so it's, it's I wouldn't know. Um, but uh, but they literally put it right in the perfect spot, so it didn't have to compete with anybody. That's true. Um, I, I don't know. It. I wish they could have done this if they had to do it. Everyone says this, but. A movie with Nathan Fillion as Drake would have been so much better. Yeah, I agree. But that's not going to happen. So uh, another another little bit of news. So the Nintendo eShop and the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U eShops are closing down <laughs> next March. No. Um, which that is only a real problem, I think, because Nintendo has will then have no virtual console available on any platform. Mm. And they took that part down, uh, or someone, part of their FAQ was like, oh, um, will will you, like, offer a new way to, like, buy old games or these games 
um, any other in any other place. And they were like, we have no plans to. And they took it down because so many people were quoting, were like quote tweeting that and yeah. saying like, go ahead, pirates. Like you have a you have free reign now because yeah. there's literally no way to give money to the original producer. Yeah, for this. So that, what does it matter? And hard copies of that game would skyrocket. Like of those games would. Oh yeah, they're, they're absolutely going to. Um, um, no, I and I'm not. I'm not pro piracy, especially like modern piracy really bothers me. Yeah. Like when people are pirating games with the PS5, it's like, come on. <laughs> you know? yeah. But for that old stuff, I definitely get it in terms of like, yeah, I, I understand the business angle of like, you don't have a right to these games and we intend, you know, you're ruining our chances to sell them to you in the future. Right. But if you're no longer attempting to sell them, yeah, then I think it becomes a, a bit more of a gray area, especially when it's you know you're someone who desperately wants access to a game, and mm-hmm. it's literally the company's fault for not selling it. Yeah, I, I think it's a problem in terms of like preservation. Yeah, because you're basically like just removing paintings, and you're like, look at the photos. Yeah, but like you know, <laughs> go buy you know, go on eBay and buy like a replica. Yeah, and it's like well. You know, I don't know. I'm not supporting you know the the original artist, but I am supporting the art that they made. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to to put that. Yeah, it's a good distinction. Um, No, so that's a that's a conversation that we're not going to delve super into right now because I know it's been all over like Nintendo Twitter. Yeah, which is something that I try to stay out of. (laughs) Nintendo Twitter. Yeah, how's that how's that going for you? You enjoying Nintendo Twitter? Yeah, no, it's I don't know. I have somewhat of a problem with like people online who cover nintendo stuff and this is coming like i really really like especially like modern nintendo mm-hmm. not especially modern nintendo i like the switch i like a lot of red i love a lot of retro nintendo stuff mm-hmm. but their business practices practices are crap yeah. and like no one calls them out on so much of this it really you know pokemon arceus legends arceus released mm-hmm. and some people are like oh it's like such a good pokemon it like does all this stuff and it's like i'm glad that it's good um like i'm 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 glad that it has lived up to a lot of what people wanted right but i'm also like when you yeah and yeah when you compare this to pokemon games it's way far above what they've been doing when you compare this to literally any other jrpg mm-hmm. it's like they're playing catch up hard yeah um, and no, no one calls them on it. It's very weird. It's and they're just like, oh, it's I finally get to catch Pokemon. It's like, you know, okay. I mean, I get yeah. that that's a you know big selling point, but there were you know there was like a 2008 uh, like hack mm-hmm. um, of like a fan game that looked pretty much exactly like this. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, they're not they're not extremely concerned with innovation or yeah or moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so after after just crapping on like the biggest game developer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and after we were nice to them last week too, that was our whole thing. It's like we had a Nintendo episode. Yeah. We were nice. I mean, again, I, I love Nintendo. There's just like some. I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it if more people were like, "Yo, this is whack." <laughs> who were into it? It's like lots of people who call right. it out are like PC gamers. Yeah. But because they have like you know Valve is yeah you know has a great storefront and, and does. They have some sketchy business practices too, in terms of their how much they take from developers and all that. That's a whole thing that yeah. I'm not well read currently enough to discuss well, at the that, moment. That was the big but, battle between Epic Game Store and yep, and 
Steam. Yep. Like that was the whole fight thing. Um, but today, today's going to be going to be mostly a positive discussion, I think. <laughs> um, so the, <laughs> no, that's that's the plan. Yeah. So basically, the reason uh, I w- I wanted to do this is the reason I wanted to do this podcast hmm. was kind of twofold. One, I think. I want it to like help my career. I want to be able to talk long, long form about video games. I think working in the industry, that will be a beneficial skill yeah. and I enjoy doing it. And two, it's because I, I, and I, this is why I brought Zane on is just kind of like share the passion for a little bit about, mm-hmm. about games and, and really get into like the minutia of all of it. So today's topic, I think I'm not, I'm not positive on this yet, but I think I'm going to title it, Titled today's episode uh, in support of video games as an artistic medium, and so we're basically going to use this for two purposes. One, if there's someone who's on the fence or kind of like anti-video game in terms of like these are not worth anyone's time, right? You can either use it as use this as kind of inspiration for ammunition against those sort of arguments, or just send it to them and go. You know, maybe maybe this is will change your mind somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So today, I, I just wanted to talk about um, why we care about games so much, and I think that's imp- it's important to kind of start from the opposite angle on that. So, Zane, I, I want to start talking about. I, I, I feel like games still aren't viewed as very legitimate, especially compared to other media formats from outsiders. Yeah, from people who don't play games. Um. I think in the sense that they get media coverage, they're legitimate and like they're recognized in that they're acknowledged. Mm-hmm. I but mean, I, they make a ton of money like, right. for sure. And I think, um, you know, you'll, you'll go to Roger Ebert, like that, like critics, mm-hmm. like, like critic websites and, and longtime critics and you'll find game reviews. So like they're acknowledging that they're out there and they're acknowledging that people play them and people like them. Do I think that they, you know, if you sat down, you know, all the top, Reviewers of, of any medium, artistic medium in 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 America or in any country, and ask them, "Do you think video games have the same level of power as movies or art or books?" I think they'd probably say no, and I think that's where they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I uh, I think I think there's a couple things that go into this. One, I th- I think lots of people think that games are, and I wrote this in quotes on my doc, just a, like a waste of time. I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah, I um, think I think that's that notion is probably fading uh that that might not even be our parents generation that might be our parents parents generation you know i i don't know that i necessarily agree with that from um, for, anecdotally from my experience that's what i that's what i felt but i, okay. I could see i could see it being okay yeah, i mean we're we're talking this is all anecdotal we don't have research yeah. pulled up here yeah um i think you'd be you'd be hard-pressed to find good research on this anyway yeah. but one of the things that like kind of pushed me further to work in games um, was kind of my urge to prove some people wrong. I remember uh, talking to an, to an old neighbor once, and, and they're great, but this person was talking about uh, their their partner. Uh, I'm keeping like all the details about them, out, <laughs> even though like you'd never as sparse as human possible. Yeah, yeah, just in case like they were to listen to this, they wouldn't remember saying it. Yeah, and so I'm like, I don't want to give hints. Um, I it, I remember they said. Oh, you know, they were talking about how their partner still has a PS3. Mm-hmm. And this was like towards the beginning of the PS4 generation. Yeah. And they were like, I get how 
you know, young kids play video games, you know, college boys play video games, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, adult men and women and kind of like me, this face. And I remember sitting there at like 12 years old and going, I don't think I'm going to quit. Yeah. No. And and I think, I think that's an interesting point. I think video games are definitely viewed as something you grow out of. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be that way because you know you don't grow out of going to the movies. Yeah, you don't grow out of reading a book. Yeah, no, no one ever goes like, "Oh, aren't you too old for like Lord of the for Lord of the Rings?" Yeah. or "Aren't you too old for?" <laughs> aren't you too old to sit down and watch a TV show? Come yeah. on, like, shouldn't you be like doing backflips or something? Yeah, like, I, don't I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you're going to a play. You're going to a musical. Right. You're That's gonna... for twelve year olds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, some of them. I don't know. Um, but. <sighs> Yeah, like I, I just I, I agree. I don't understand why they think it's something you grew out of. It, I, I think part of this comes from I think there's also kind of a the situation revolving parents. And the fact is is that there are I think games aren't viewed as like high art in terms of other mediums. I think you can find some edi- some mediums where it's like you may not look at like you know, books that are just smut. Yeah. And go, This is like totally legitimate worthy art that you should spend a ton of time you know pursuing mm-hmm. and, and doing all this stuff and analyzing in all these ways it's like some things they kind of know what they are mm-hmm. and there are definitely games that are that are like that yeah and I, I think the problem is is that no one is that a large majority of people in my experience at least won't really acknowledge the potential and the realization yep. of that potential in some cases and so I think lots of parents will see this the reason we talk about like growing out of it is they'll look at their kids and they'll go, I don't want you spending a ton of time doing this, which is fair because games can be addictive and companies can prey on that. Yeah. And I think especially in today's climate with the monetization models and stuff like that, you do, you do have to keep a more watchful eye than you once did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I, I think that's kind of conflating. I think the problem with that viewpoint is it's kind of conflating the positions um, and the actions of some people in in an industry mm-hmm. that develops a certain medium mm-hmm. and that medium itself. So I kind of work right. that into like you look at like certain religion religions and and there's a there's a I'm a religious Christian. So lots of people will look at I'll use Christianity as an example. People will look at Christians and go, oh, you've done X, Y, and Z. Christians think X, Y, and Z, and it's like don't blame you know don't don't blame I guess the point being the people are going to screw up Mm -hmm. the thing that they're working on, the thing that they're focusing on and devoted to isn't innately bad. Yeah. And I think games aren't innately addictive, innately harmful in that way. I think it takes a lot more evidence to prove that, you know, a vessel is bad than the people who are in that vessel. Yes. That Um, is a good way to put that yeah there's a higher burden of proof for saying all of gaming is bad mm-hmm. instead of just there are bad people who use gaming for bad things yeah um and even then i don't know that the people who you know obviously if someone is out there thinking you know we really really need to get this 12 year old to use his mom's card without her permission to buy v bucks those are bad <laughs> people yeah. but i think i think i think their goal is to make a product that people will buy mm-hmm. and they just happen to have a lot of children who play their game yeah um and I think it's unfortunate how it, how it works out that way. But um, so I think even in that case, there's room to say, you know, these people are just it's a business. They're running a business. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that 
children love Fortnite. Or yeah, children I mean, love Call it, of so Duty. Fortnite is, is something that comes up. I, I remember talking to some parents in my old neighborhood. It's just it's low hanging fruit. And, is what yeah, it is. Um, because it involves kids and it's yeah. and it's it doesn't have a whole lot of substance in terms of at least from what I know, like narrative depth. So it's hard to argue from that perspective. It's, that it's very understandable. Yeah. Um, but I remember talking to some parents and and they were like, oh. You know, they told their kid that they could get one game for the Switch when they, when they got them a Switch. And the kid was going back and forth between Smash Brothers and Fortnite. And the parent found out that Fortnite was free, and they were like, oh, you can get Fortnite. And, it, and I'm just like, it broke my heart, because I'm like, this could introduce them to a incredibly just huge roster of yeah. characters that make up the history of games mm-hmm. and not to mention it that game really fosters I, I think smash bros fosters a a better especially local multiplayer experience yeah absolutely i um, think fortnite doesn't offer local as far as i know no. um but i'm just like man you missed out because it's yeah. 60 dollars and you, you didn't value it in that same way you didn't see the value in, in something like that whereas i remember playing certain fighters like that. I remember playing Smash Bros at like my friend Smash Brothers Melee at mm-hmm. one of my friends' house yeah. and, and seeing like Link and Pikachu and not really knowing what they were but getting interested in them so that a couple years down the road when I was introduced to the three D S and Ocarina of Time came out, I was like, I remember that character from Smash Bros and play that game. Yeah. And now I'm a big Zelda fan. So it's like I think you miss out I guess you could argue the same thing for Fortnite in terms of like, oh we got Spider Man and John Wick and all these things. Yeah. But I, I don't think it has the same, uh, I guess, respect. Yeah, and I think um, that that's a, that's another thing is like, you know, I think it's very obvious that people will assume Fortnite and and other games are like kid games. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's obviously a large contingent of like silent adults that play this game. Oh yeah. Like there's no there's no reason that the John Wick skin was that popular, other mm-hmm. than the fact that a bunch of people who saw John Wick, yep. which was rated R, mm-hmm. bought the John Wick skin. <laughs> um, so I like I think I think on one end on we're we're burning a candle at two ends essentially. Is like mm-hmm. we have to fight the fight that says you know games aren't high art and then we have to fight the fight that's like even trashy games are still like adult games yeah. like this whole thing can be all for adults but kids can play some games too yeah it i mean fortnite it's funny because like fortnite's a high quality product yeah and they've done a, a lot with it and in terms of like a business model it's incredibly fascinating and in terms of like a loop it's really really fascinating right. and it like completely changed the industry like all these all these battle royales are monetized exactly like Fortnite. Yeah, and uh, part of what I have written here is is I think I think part of the reason that that games aren't viewed as legitimate is because we don't really make a lot of effort outside of our own little circles to make them be seen as such. Like we, uh, you can see tons of press yeah. on those sorts of semi predatory business models yeah. that can hurt a product. And it, it, because it's easy to say, oh, this is a bad thing. We don't want the bad thing. But it's it's not as easy to look at that bad thing in the context of all the good that surrounds right. it. And I, and I think, you know, for every, you know, Kotaku article about how great a game God of War is, right? There's a CNN article about how a 12-year-old spent like $125,000 on yeah. his mom's credit card. <laughs> you know, so I think I think you're right. Outside of the of the like real gamer media, yeah. um, 
you find zero good press on gaming. Yeah, it's you don't find a lot. I know, uh, and one of the one of the other reasons I, I I think this is kind of a, a problem is because it's newer, and like we're not even just talking about like monetary issues. We're also mm-hmm. talking like lots of parents are just lots of. I say parents because I think about this in terms of like the next generation right. sort of thing, but lots of people just look at it and think it's like, oh, you're frying your brain. Yeah, you know, you just turn it off and you, you zone out. Um, it's not as engaging as something people yeah. people talk about reading. Like it's this really, it's this really respectable hobby. Like you really get stuff out of it. And I think about games in the same way. I'm playing a visual novel. Right. Thing novel. Right. Um. And uh, I don't know. I think you know it. It causes you to work different parts of your brain than a book. And I think, um, and obviously these are all still stories. So they're all still from the same Genesis, which is like, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting around a campfire telling a story to one another. And I think, um, you know, we're still operating from that, from that start. So you're still, you know, say your child or whatever is still engaged in a story with characters and has to go through decision-making processes. Um, and, but I think like, I was I was thinking about this when I was when we were talking. I think I'd rather have my child play God of War than read like Captain Underpants. Like if if I know that's not the same age bracket. I don't know that I want them playing God of War. <laughs> right. But like you you get what I'm saying, right? Like I, I, I totally get what I, you're saying. I would saying. say in the hierarchy of level of art, God of War is a better piece of art than the Captain Underpants novel. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and I think you could argue that for you could look at other children. I mean, look at I think Zelda games have a ton of uh, artistic value mm-hmm. in terms of their their themes and the way everything comes together right. with the music and the artwork and the, and the story, though yeah. subtle it may be, or in the somewhat in the background. And, um, I, and I think that that's another thing that you that you touched on quite beautifully. There is like, um, you know, there's people read books to be inspired, or like parents want their children to read books so they feel inspired or they learn something or they get something and it's like your kid could be the next great artist and could be inspired by something in one of these games mm-hmm. you know like something visual they might need something visual yeah and i think i think that's a that's a aspect that's underrated yeah but i, I think i think just because they're they're so young in terms of so many of these mediums movies you know began in the early 20th century books have been around for <laughs> however many hundreds right. thousands of years um it's difficult to really conceptualize it in the same way. And they're kind of still in their youth. Yeah. So I think, we, so we've talked about kind of the origins of some of these problems and where some of this stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. I think now, unless you have any, any closing thoughts on that, I'd like to move to kind of what our beliefs about games are and what we believe that they can do, what their benefits are. No, I, I think I just want to close with, um, you know, gaming has some of the best stories in narrative, like in it. You, you know what gonna, I'm saying? We're going to get to that scene. Hold on. Okay. That's one of the, that's one of the things in my plan. <laughs> okay. okay. So, uh, for one thing, before we get too too deep into like the strengths of, of games as a medium, mm-hmm. the I want to talk about the our video games art question. It's so dumb. I'm so tired of hearing this. Our video games up. art? Our video games People are art. asking this? It's, have you not heard this? I have not. Dude, this is like, this is, it, I think it was more common a few years ago um, before people became concerned with bigger things, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I must have missed out on this yeah. one. Um, 
No, so uh, just to give some clarification, the Oxford definition of art is, this is a quote, the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. I don't understand how someone can argue that games aren't art, even if you look at it in terms of like, some people think that games are still Pac-Man and Mario and Pong and stuff. People Pong, who've just Pong been out, out of the loop for a long time. Pong is one where I'm just like, no. I guess. Like, it is a, an ex, a creative application of skill and imagination. The, the, the issue is, is, and I hate to get in the weeds here, but the issue is how you define creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, geez. creativity <laughs> is just me producing something. I produced something. You know, I, I took metal... And I poured it into a mold, and I pounded the mold out, and I made something. I've created something. So I, someone had to create Pong. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I think then Pong we then art. you have to look at imagination. And you, if you and that, I think is where you look at and you say, "Oh, I made this two by four because I cut the wood." It's like, well, the wood was always that you took stuff away. The two right. by four was kind of always yeah, there, but, but I shaped it into something. Yeah, I don't know that making a two by four would be art necessarily I, would, I, would, I think it is we don't need to get into all that jeez <laughs> we're gonna be here for hours um <laughs> and that, so so i think the important part here is they're really games are really something of like creating something from nothing right in the same way that like paintings music it's like those things really weren't they were there before but you had to envision it first right before you could arrange it in that way where it's like you can make, I don't know, you can make a two by four just by cutting some stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to envision it in the same way. You don't have to have that same kind of purpose, I don't think. Right. Um, um, to, to, to the same degree, at least. And, and so I think a, a large part of this, too, is um, in modern modern art, I would say I'd, I'd include film in modern art, yeah. film, and, film and video games. Um, your purpose can change. You know, you're, use the term digital art for this because modern art, I think, is more associated with like with painting. Okay, yeah. so digital art, digital art, like film and video game. You can you can set out with it with a purpose and then run into things along your way and be like, oh, okay, hold on, this makes much more sense here. This makes oh, absolutely. Much. And and whereas you know, if you're in a studio art setting or like a sculpture setting. You've you've imagined it and created this item in your in your head. You ca- you cannot change. If you change, it is going to destroy the whole piece. So yeah. I think I think that's maybe another distinction people try to make. But I think it's a pretty asinine distinction. Yeah, it, I, I I I know one argument against this that I think is like almost makes it too easy, which sounds kind of weird. Is the argument of like there's you know if you have there are movies and you know artwork and music yeah. and. I don't know, sounds and stuff in games and all those individual things would be considered art. Therefore games are art. I think that's, it's not a lazy argument because it makes sense, right? but it's also like, I think that the intrinsic value, the, the, the thing that defines a game being the fact that you can play it Mm -hmm. is art in and of itself because it is someone creating, handcrafting an experience for someone else to go through. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can. There's always the argument that something is less than the sum of its parts. So I don't think anyone's arguing that if you make a landscape for gaming, say like the Phoenix Immortals Rising, right? Like obviously that's a very art-heavy game. Someone 
you know, went through and did all this art direction on it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they put a lot more effort into that area. Would that be more art than a game that doesn't do that? And I don't think that's true at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I just wanted to get that stupid, are they art question out of the way? The answer yes. is yes. The answer is yes. Stop asking. Period. Um, not that anyone like who like listens to this would ask that, right. but like someone, if someone sent this to you as a point, stop asking. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> um, ask that question anymore. Okay. So I, I wanted to talk about a few of what we think, uh, the strengths in games are the things that they can, they can really offer. And so I know the first one you brought up was, was narrative. So I have a few examples on each of these. Um, so our first one, the first one that I wrote was a uh, storytelling capability. I think, I think they have a particular strength in this is for one thing that they can be as long as they want. Whereas you can yeah. say the same for books. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Television shows are somewhat li- limited by a budget. I guess games are too. Yeah. Um, but like movies, especially they, you got to fit them into a, yeah. a runtime. And, and, and I, I think, um, games are uniquely situated because length doesn't necessarily directly correlate to budget the way it does mm-hmm. for TV shows and movies. Yeah. Like, like obviously a longer game costs more, but it not in the same way that like, Oh, we need another episode. That's another $8 million or yeah. we need another 10 minutes of runtime. That's 30 days of filming, which is, you know, yeah. You know, uh, uh-huh, ten ten million $10 Yep. So yeah. Um, but here I, I, I just, I listed some examples. So I know we, we generally only talk about games that we're currently playing mm-hmm. or games like last, last year when we did like the game of the year talk, we did that. But yeah. so I have, I have two things listed here for storytelling capability. Uh, I'll start with the second one because I already talked about it a little bit. I think Danganronpa is a really, really good example <laughs> um, because it has the gameplay. It gets you engaged in that way, right. but it's also, it's written like a, like a, like a novel where, um, the descriptions are just played for you while the dialogue is is written out that you read. So you get to experience kind of like both the visual and the auditory and the uh, know, the written medium mm-hmm. all at the same time. And it culminates in this like really, really unique experience. Yeah. Um, making for like a narrative that like I played again, I played it a year and a half ago, but I feel like I could, I could tell you pretty quickly lots of key events right um, um so it's like that memorable and i and i actually think that's an interesting idea the the idea of the experience like you were talking about it gives you a unique experience and i think that it, that is almost assuredly the point of art yeah is to provide an experience to the viewer or to the participant or to mm-hmm. whatever it is so you know you stand in front of the mona lisa and you're provided an experience mm-hmm. you're obviously looking at the mona lisa but you know, whatever your experience and connection with that piece of art is, is interesting. And I think maybe we should detach like an objective. Um, that, I mean, games objectively fit art, the definition of art. But mm-hmm. if you, if you want to say detach that sub- objective definition, games also fit the pro like the providing of an experience. Mm-hmm. And I think they provide such a unique experience that they do automatically qualify as high art because they can move people and they can provide, you know, all these unique experiences. Yeah. I, I think lots of times the qualification between like art and high art is basically like how good it is. Right. Um, Cause the, other than that, there's like literally nothing that you could say without excluding all art aside from painting. Yeah. Um, but you know, 
there's a reason that it's like an experience and not just like, oh, here's the thing. You, you think about what's a, what's a good film example? I don't know, Schindler's List. It's like they didn't yeah. they didn't just show on the screen Holocaust bad. It's yeah. like they show you a narrative experience right. to kind of bring you in, and so it's not you're told that you're 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 shown that. And in yeah. games, I think it's it's unique in that you're not even you're not just shown it. You're there. Yeah. In in a, in a really and, different way, so I know this this connects well to uh, a game that I know you're gonna want to talk about because we haven't talked about it a whole lot. We've kind of brought it up in passing, but I know it's one of, if not your favorite game, being The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And I always think about the uh, that first. I am gonna spoil the first chapter of The Last of Us. <gasps> I don't like doing spoiler things. That quite we're gonna have a conversation about this, but saying like, oh, it came out ten years ago, you can spoil it. That always bothers me. <laughs> but um, I'm gonna spoil the, the first part of The Last of Us. <laughs> with all that being said, Jeremiah will spoil. Yeah, it. Um, yeah. With that said, I'm a hypocrite, so I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> um, where Joel's daughter Sarah dies, right? And it starts you off, and you're playing as Sarah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's such a really, that's such an impactful thing where if you're watching a movie, you they have techniques in film and in books to create... Perspective. Yeah, that perspective. Yeah. But you're never actively controlling it. Right. Um, and I think that, and we talk about this, I think we have at least in the past, you know, the idea that um, in... in in movies and in books, things happen, right? And mm-hmm. we're like, wow, we remember those things happening. In games, they happen to us mm-hmm. because we are controlling And often them. they happen because of you. Right. And, and Yeah, and I think that's even more powerful, which is why RPGs are so gaining steam is because you feel like, you know, yeah. you feel like the chosen one. You get to experience that, that thing. Um, so you're right. Walking around to Sarah looking for your dad and then, you know, the eventual... Mm-hmm. death is super impactful way more impactful than meeting someone for 10 minutes in a movie and then them dying yeah you know because that's that those things get written off in movies and books like oh this character was put in and immediately died what was i supposed to feel bad for them or something mm-hmm. i barely met them and it was like well we barely met sarah but we felt super bad because we literally walked around the house for while this disaster happened mm-hmm. um and all it took like again was 10 minutes yeah uh yeah that opening was absurdly good but yeah. just think about thinking about um going further in the game i think there's kind of a perception that like games don't leave the time for really really good writing in the same way that movies do because they're completely focused on plot and characters or in the same way that books do because you're literally only reading dialogue mm-hmm. and descriptions um whereas in the last of us like you're getting in all this um extra sensory or sensory information while dialogue and story content is happening. So you're not being told, oh, the world, you know, fell to ruin, all this stuff, you know, oh, everything's bad, the government did all this stuff, while the rebels did this stuff, and then the zombie parasite people are doing this. You're walking around the quarantine city looking at things while you're talking to Tess, while you're thinking about what happened to Sarah, all the while, and, you know, you're you're doing it of your own accord and it's being told to you. It's, I, I was told recently by a game developing professor and I, I think I agree with this is that he said games are probably the hardest. This is hard to say because we're not, we're not involved as much in the other mediums, but we'll just say they're incredibly difficult to get right because you don't just have to make, you, it's not one size fits all right. in the same way that a movie will be a movie. 
someone's connections to it won't be the same. Their perceptions won't be the same. But the movie itself will always be the same. Right. Games aren't like that. Yeah. You can miss things. Yeah. Um, you um, can miss things in movies, but, like, you can literally miss them. Yeah, you can completely, like, not have it occur to your character. Yeah. Um, at least in most in most, in most most games. Yeah. Some games are so linear that it's like a movie. Yeah. Um, um, but... And, and even then, it's the... I think you can make those stories um, yourself even in the same way. So I don't know that it could be argued that, like, every game experience is going to be the same. Because even if you're talking about something like Pong, where it's like you might have a really weird something happen in the game mm-hmm. that kind of creates its own you know memory for you um, in terms of a narrative, whether it be like a comeback or, a, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, um, that I, I think is, is really unique to that. By the way, let me know when you have to. I know you have a big trip coming up, so no, let me no, know. No, we're when good. You have to get we're out good on time. Okay. Um, um, okay. So I, I think that pretty well covers narrative. Narrative. I, I think that's kind of undeniable, um, especially now. Maybe if you look like 15 years ago, it would, it'd be harder to argument. argue. Yeah. Even I think it'd be harder to argue to someone who hasn't played it themselves. Yeah. Themselves. I think lots of games had. I mean, look at like. Final Fantasy games on the SNES generation were fantastic. There were yeah. PC games. There was Ocarina of Time. I think has a really interesting narrative. And I think um, I like I like this whole discussion of like going back, right? Going back in time and like mm-hmm. you know watching it and thinking about how the gaming industry has evolved. Because you know we always there's this there's this big joke. You know, oh, if you go give a pilgrim an iPhone, like <laughs> they'll think you're a witch or something, or yeah. like you'll blow their mind. If you go and give like. 10 year old Zane a PS5 mm-hmm. you're getting the same reaction like yeah. that's just we we the gaming industry has hit warp speed mm-hmm. and I think um, maybe it is maybe it is due in, in part to criticism like this <laughs> like hearing you know oh that's not real art they're not they're incapable of telling you know top tier stories because you're right I think there was a lack of that probably 10 to 15 years ago um and now there's an abundance of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I don't even know that there was necessarily a, la- a lack of it, or at least a lack of it in the public eye. It's so it's it's harder to discern, right? Um, you know, it's it's harder to go to show someone Chrono Trigger and go, dude, I love these characters. Yeah. Like I have a connection to Luca and Chrono and Frog. Yeah, but you can show someone, I don't know, Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, those are real people. Yeah, that, yeah. I was gonna say that's the thing. I think um, there were there's a certain subset of people. There's a certain group of people who are able to look past the tech, technological limitations of the time mm-hmm. and really enjoy those stories. Those those really good stories, like you were saying. And um, then there are certain people who couldn't get over that. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's much more all encompassing because everything is you know, pristine and graphics are so much better. And it's, I think graphics to a certain degree and to a large part equal accessibility. Yeah. And I mean, I I definitely agree with that. I hope that people continue going back and experiencing those older things because I think they have a lot to offer uh, because you're, you have limited resources and uh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Right. So they really need do with what they had. Um, And not that those games, I think lots of games, especially on the, SNES looked beautiful, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of fidelity, they obviously can't compare. But in any case, right. um, next I want to talk about 
the unique uh, kind of immersive quality mm-hmm. that games can have that I don't think anything... I think the reason that games can be addictive when they're made in a certain way is because they can suck you in more than lots of other mediums yeah. because you're present. So I have, I have two examples here that I wanted to talk about with you. Being Hellblade, mm-hmm. um, your favorite game. <laughs> and did you ever beat Hellblade, by the way? I did not. That's... that's <laughs> That's a shame. Um, that is a shame. Are you going to spoil it? Oh, no, I'm not going to spoil it. And oh, okay. That's not the relevant. What you experienced was the relevant part in terms of immersion. Okay. Uh, Hellblade and Bioshock were the two that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, um, with regards to kind of immersive ability and, and drawing you in and making you feel like you're there. Hellblade with its sound design is a marvel, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, I, I And it's the kind of thing that a movie or a book or something else would get endless amounts of praise for mm-hmm. is like, you know, this in the a in art form B is, you know, never, never seen before. Amazing, you know, Oscar worthy. It would get heaps and heaps of praise. And I flew under my radar until you told me about it, mm-hmm. which it flew is under a lot of people's radar. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I think that's a shame. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hellblade is, is one I always like to bring up because I, I think it there's a really easy pitch for it mm-hmm. um, when I'm argue, when I'm making the argument um, in support of games. And I can say, I played a game about a woman centuries ago struggling with mental health issues <laughs> and the death of people who were very close to her in a time when that stuff was not okay. And yeah. well, when having something like schizophrenia was not right. understood. And it's, and it's not just that I'm told about this, mm-hmm. it's that I am that person. Yeah. And I think so, you know, I've seen this horror movie before and I, and I watched it recently for a class, but the Babadook yep. from, from Australia deals with many of those same issues, you know, mental health issues and, and the, you know, the processing of grief and, um, you know, I think it's funny that one is in, under the radar, like not really talked about video game. And the other one is like a like this art film that just gets heaps and heaps of praise now for like its act, its depiction of mental health. And and I think they both tell very similar stories. And I think Hellblade might do it better. I definitely think I've seen Babadook. I definitely think Hellblade does it better. I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that it flew under the radar as a whole. I think for like a general public, I mean, there's an audience of people who play a few games a year i don't think hellblade would be one of them for right. those for that crowd um but i think in something like the babadook what they do really well is they make you care about those characters and, yeah. and feel for them hellblade is different in that you you feel like you did experience that in the same right. way it's not like you're looking at it going like oh i feel so bad for Sen- senua right and i think i think it's interesting that you know this is kind of like a one-way mirror because in in horror and in the horror genre and uh, I think there's there's no denying that Hellblade's a horror game. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely has horror elements, right? Um, is at least influenced by the genre. Anyways, yep. um, we talk about there's this very clear distinction between you know 
art horror, which is what we're engaging in, this idea that we see horrible things and get pleasure out of it, like like some kind of artistic pleasure out of it, um, as opposed to like real life horror, which is like the uh, the awfulness that goes on out there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting that gaming still has that element of like this is happening to me, but it's not happening to me, so it's still pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is that that breaking down of you know us and them. Yeah. We are them. We are the people in the game. Uh, and so I think it's really interesting that gaming, for some reason, is able to retain that while still making you ever closer to the horror. Yeah. Um, by the way, I guess we should, if we're, if we're sending this, if we're maybe advertising this to people who aren't, uh, aren't gamers um, exactly, I also hate that word. Because you don't call them, like, bookers or movers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I guess a gamer is the same thing as like a cinephile, but yeah, <laughs> someone who you know is a niche. I don't know. I, I do hate that word. It, it has a negative connotation. The other ones don't. Yeah. Um, but Hell, Hellblade. I guess I kind of did the pitch already. So so next up is Bioshock. You have anything else to say about Hellblade? I feel like you summed no. up pretty well there. No. So so Bioshock is a game about. Um, and you know, I, I talked about this in my media criticism class yesterday, and my professor agreed. She was like, "I think that's the fav- my favorite game I've ever played." And she's not really a big yeah. gamer, but there's um, that word again. She is an, an art cri- or a media critic, uh-huh. um, and not in the way of like, "Oh, I review things," in the way of like analyzing things. Yeah. Um, and so where you were talking about intertextuality, which basically means like texts existing in a world of other texts. Mm-hmm. So nothing exists in a vacuum. Right. Um, and so Bioshock, the first person shooter takes place in the underwater city of a rapture and it's heavily, heavily influenced. I'd say even like based on, uh, Ayn Rand and, and her book Atlas shrugged with the philosophy of objectivism. Yeah. And it's so wild and that it, it does it so excellently. Um, in that, it's so heavily influenced by this book. There's a character named Andrew Ryan. That's Ayn Rand. There's a character named Atlas, like, mm-hmm. based on Atlas Shrugged. Um, but it it and it tells you a very similar. It echoes this story and this idea, and it presents this ideology, but it also critiques it and lets you live through it. Yeah. Um. And it and it engrosses you in. Um, I think audio design is really way more important in games than lots of people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and and through uh, audio logs where it tells you this history, and through the environmental storytelling, where you know you'll walk into a room and you'll see a you know a baby carriage, and you look in the baby carriage and there's just a gun in yeah. there, or there's a skeleton of someone in a corner and he's just cradling his cash register, mm-hmm. and so you pick up on these things. Because because you're in that world and yeah. you're exploring that world yourself and they're not being presented to you, you're finding them. And so it creates that extra amount of of engagement and personal kind of personal responsibility in this tale, which I think further immerses you. Uh, the reason that I think this is like the biggest one for me. I think the the reason that I that I love games so much is because of the way that they can immerse far better than other mediums can. I think Bioshock's mm-hmm. a great example. And and so it, it really was, and I'm not com- I don't want to compare video games to other mediums because that's gonna on- that's only going to invite criticism. I'm not saying they're better than right. others. I'm saying they're on the same plane. Like they have a, a ton to offer in the same way that books have a ton to offer and movies have a ton to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just seeing how they can take 
an idea from a book and give a totally unique experience that could not have been done in a movie or a book because they're able to bring you into the city of rapture and make you feel like it's real because you're there is is really unique to games and i've been talking a while zane so do you have any thoughts on that (laughs) no i was gonna say i think i think you were putting it so eloquently i didn't want to interrupt which is rare but um uh, not not, not that you put things eloquently rare it's just rare that i don't (laughs) want to interrupt but um i know what you mean (laughs) although i don't think you interrupt me too much but go ahead um but i i think i think you're right i think in in that was a point i was going to make is I think we suspend. It's it's much easier to get a person who is playing a video game to suspend their disbelief than someone you know watching a movie or reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, not because, and obviously there are things that break you know even our suspension of disbelief. But I'm saying like these fantastical worlds are much better realized by a person who's playing a video game in a video game. Yep. Um, than a movie or a book. Yep. Um, even though books books are closer than movies, I think. Mm-hmm. But. Um, so I think I think you're right, and I think that environmental storytelling is is incredible, and I yep. think that is that is an element that is surpassed um, that video game surpassed both books and movies in. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you know Bethesda does it well. Mm-hmm. A, lo- a lot of these really great you know RPGs or, or action games do it well. These it's you know you, you just walk into a room and you're like oh there's nothing in here, and then you realize you're wrong. Mm-hmm. There might be nothing for you to pick up, yeah. But th- that's not, you know, pe- that skeleton in the corner is there on purpose. Someone put it there, yeah. You know that that poster hanging off the wall fell off on purpose. Someone, someone, you know, put that there. Someone designed that, yeah. So you know, every every it's incredible to think about. Everything you look at is there on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, someone designed that, and I think in there's that there's a. There's a term for it in, in movies. It's called mise-en-scene. Yep. It's like everything on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it, you know there's a very intentionality to where you put the camera in movies. But I think that same intentionality is placed in gaming. You know, no matter where your camera's positioned, there's stuff on screen that's positioned there on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's incredible to think about. It's almost a, you know, it's it's proof in it, in and of itself of the artistry of gaming. Yeah. Um, next thing, by the way, how much time do we have? You have until eleven thirty. Yeah. Okay. Um, we may, I may wrap it up on my own so that we can really get into like the meat of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will probably keep you to keep you here till eleven thirty. <laughs> um, so the next, the next thing I wanted to talk about was just the the interactivity of it. And you, you talked a little bit about it with with RPGs. And so the, yeah. the two examples I have here are, are, are a few examples being uh, Detroit Become Human, mm-hmm. Immersive Sims, and just uh, you know like Bioware style yeah. RPGs and CRPGs that allow you to make such an impact on not just like the narrative but the gameplay experience based on yeah. things you choose and the characters that you that you um, design yourself with the, with the tools available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is one that's kind of simple. Um, I don't know that it requires, although you may disagree as much in depth analysis because it's kind of just like factually, you can't do this with anything else. They yeah. tried with Bandersnatch and it didn't work as well. Right. I um, think Detroit become human is like the pinnacle of that kind of web of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, although I know Lots of like CRPGs, especially, yeah. have similar things, and they change the gameplay. Yeah, um, I don't know your thoughts on that. 
No, I think I think I agree. It's it's you know the the medium that lends itself most to interactivity and, and story change and things like that. And you know I I like to drone on about the things we talk about and and you know really go through the proving of everything. So it, as self evident as this is, I think um, it's important to to really like drill it home and, and talk about how. Um, this interactivity in any other form, you know, like, you know, a pick your own adventure book mm-hmm. is so forced yeah. and, and it's such a new creation because it is an attempt to keep up with video games, you know, like, um, well, choose your own adventure books were around. Um, well, I actually don't know when those started. I don't know that they were exactly their purpose was to get in front of video games, but no. I think something like Bandersnatch, right? Is like let's yeah. make a movie with where you can yeah. like pick the thing. No, I'm sure like, pick your own adventure books have been around for a while, but I think you know, and if any, basically what I'm getting at is if anyone makes those now, they're so informed by video games. Oh yes, you know what I mean. Like if, if you did it before, it was obviously something that you had thought of by yourself but now if you do them it's obvious that your your inspiration and your the thing you look towards is video games yeah um so i think i think that's that in in and of itself has changed the medium a lot yeah um i i i think that one is is kind of the most self-evident yeah absolutely i would agree um the next i wanted to talk about well oh, for, for one thing i i think it's interesting that it's one one comment i do have on, on the interactivity idea it's interesting how you can have like games offer like a really diverse set of experiences there's a million genres and a million takes on those million genres Mm -hmm. and in those some of those genres like like these these rpgs and and things like detroit it's like there are a million variations of those things yeah um and not in the subtle ways in the drastic ways where oh you can play as a you know dude who shoots fire from his hands are like a sneaky thief mm-hmm. and that's totally different you're going to do different quests and you're going to yeah. speak differently and you're going to play differently and it's totally you know just you could talk to two different people and they'd come away with two different takeaways yeah um, um and i think that it's also apparent that, that is getting the potential for that sort of thing is growing with yeah. technology yeah, and and I think maybe maybe we'll talk about this later. I don't know, but um, it's not only the level of interactivity; it's the breadth of what you can interact with. So, like, um, you know, people are like, oh, "Movies and books will take you to worlds far and wide, near and far, all over the place, up and down, throughout mm-hmm. time." And I think games do that too, but you get to interact with them in a way that makes the worlds feel more alive than any other medium. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's it's through that interactivity, but it's also through seeing it and hearing the people talk, mm-hmm. and you know, it's the perfect combination of the setting of a book and the application of a movie. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I agree with that. Again, I'm I'm not trying to make too grand of like comparative statements, even though personally I could easily do that. Right. Um, but I I, I agree with with what you said there. Um. Next, I, I and this is the final thing, unless we want to we want to talk about some some additional stuff, uh, is is just the the social impact. Um, I think it it is more of a it can be more of a a, a group um, a social experience than you know you, you're not going to read a book with multiple people. You can have a book club, you can discuss afterward, but right. you can also have. You, you can also discuss the narrative of a game afterward. You can you can watch a movie with people, but like you're not, me, you know, 
you're not playing with each other in the same way. Yeah. Um, you might look over, make a comment, you know, make a face, give them, give them an eye when something happens, but you're not changing what they are based on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I think so books, obviously, and I hate to keep comparing, but books are obviously the, the least interactive, um, of those. And I think you, you could probably, I think you could probably make an argument that, you know, movies are a little more interactive, but there's nothing quite like playing a video game with, with somebody or playing a video game with a significant other or a parent, you know, that requires like a level of teamwork and, in, in you know, same being on the same page that the other two don't. Mm-hmm. And I think that in and of itself is a valuable social skill. <laughs> yeah. Did, did I tell you I played it takes two? We played it together. Or, uh, sorry, no, we played uh, A Way Out together. Well, you're right. Okay, yes, you um, played It Takes Two. Okay, so it was like over MLK weekend, I played it with my fiancé. Yeah. Um, we just like burned through it. Isn't it um, great? Dude, it's it's fantastic. I still don't think it beats Returnal for me okay. in terms of games it released last year. It's number two, though. Yeah, no, it's so good. Um, it's 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 absurd how quick how how they craft it so that you are forced to work together in a good way you learn to work together you right. appreciate what they can do in a way that i've played games with her before where sometimes i'll be frustrated when it's like oh my gosh you just need to do the snipper clips mm-hmm. is a fun game and i really really enjoy it but it can be like an exercise in patience sometimes because yeah. i'm like no turn clockwise not counterclockwise like, yeah click me now not them sort of thing but they they crafted this experience that that I feel like I don't know. I, I don't. I know that this wasn't just our experience because it won game a year and everyone loved it so much. It was crafted in such a way that everyone seemed to have this same, uh, the same idea of like this brought us together. Yeah. In in sort in uh, pursuit of this goal, and showed um, how like those differing strengths can work together mm-hmm. and uh, and go together. Um, and so that yeah I I don't know that I can say a lot more about it takes two that hasn't already been said because a lot has been said about it because right. it's just that good um, a few of the others I, I wrote here were uh, Halo Minecraft and, and Smash Bros just to think about yeah. in terms of how it can not only like make friendships and give you things to do mm-hmm. but make you like think in terms of teamwork and create right. some sort of bonds based on a common pursuit. Yeah, no, and I think um, gaming in a very unique and and pretty novel way allows you to explore your creativity. Like especially especially in a game like Minecraft or mm-hmm. oh, in, yeah. in other games. You know, I think it allows you to, you know, work towards something and then build that thing up. You know, mm-hmm. or you know it's it's not uncommon for people to you know, head out and go, oh, I'll be like, where are you, where are you going? Where are you going? And my buddy's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go mine cobblestone. I have an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he goes out and he mines cobblestone and it's like really from, from seed to, to tree. Yeah. That, those ideas. And I think developing, you know, a mind that way is important. Yeah. I think creativity is best. It's, it's best when it's contextualized with some kind of rules. If you're making a painting, you have the paint. You have the canvas. There's limits there. 
and with with games you think of something like minecraft or even like smash with like different editors or, or halo with like oh yeah. how am i going to do this how you know what's mm-hmm. a strategy for this what what can we do with this weapon that would be unique um they present you with some rule sets yeah. but then they give you so much wiggle room in in between and allowing you to do that with other people i think is kind of a it's it's similar to to real life sports i yeah. think and not only that but it can be done uh for one thing it doesn't tire you out in the same way so you can go play your sport and then go in and and i think right. of like playing i did like smash bros and, and racing games uh when i was a kid it was like you go play basketball for a while and then mm-hmm. you get tired you'd eat and then you come and chill out and do that yeah um and for adults it's gonna allow people to connect over very long distances mm-hmm. in ways that a phone call doesn't really allow yeah um yeah, I, I, I don't think I think the social impact can often be kind of desecrated a little bit because people look at like, oh, Xbox 360 chat rooms. Yeah, I was going to say it's like yeah. that's brutal. We don't like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's oversimplifying it and overlooking yeah. a lot of what's there. And I think I think to say, you know, oh, an Xbox 360 chat room like is an indictment of the entire one gaming culture and two interactivity of gaming is like saying, you know, Oh, that murder that occurred last week is an indictment of the social of like any social interaction ever Mm -hmm. because, you know, stepping out your front door is dangerous, which I guess. Yeah. But like anytime you boot up your computer, it's dangerous. Anytime you, you know, get on, get on a chat room online, it's dangerous. Anytime you walk out your front door to go meet someone, it's dangerous. Like there's a level of danger in any sort of social interactivity, any like at, at, at any point. Yeah. And, um, I don't say that to scare people. I say that to say that like, as long as you're careful and as long as you, you know, only chat with your friends, everything should go fine. Uh, yes. And I think those were my, my big points that I wanted to go over. Um, I have a, another thing that I want to discuss, but it's, it's somewhat separated from this topic. At least if you're someone who is very skeptical or if you're looking for ammunition, I think that's what we got. For you here do you yeah. have any any further any last thoughts um, before i move on to kind of the capstone for that no you're good to go so um the final thing i want to talk about here is i think what we can do as video game enthusiasts i guess <laughs> to kind of prove to others and ourselves that this is important or what what more can we do as we're not i'm making a game but like the average person isn't it's not the primary way i've interacted with them for for my life so what can we do as just enthusiasts to really um to kind of prove that these are important that they matter um and one thing to note here is that the general public doesn't give much credence credence to like any media they aren't interested in like there's a reason why you know it's like martin scorsese will say that marvel films aren't cinema and they make like the most amount of money and and so many people love them it's because like most people don't want to watch there's that joke um, that's like someone, you know, their face is like shocked and it's like, oh, the film student, when I say that I'd rather watch a Marvel movie than, you know, a three hour long, a three hour long black and white film about the Iranian government from the perspective of a pigeon yeah. or something. It's like that sort of thing. Um, and so <laughs> I th- I really like that joke because someone sent that to me and was like, this is you, but for games. <laughs> um, like, Why don't you want to do the pigeon? Like, um, no, well, yeah, let's that's watch the pigeon movie. But no, so I-, I wrote down a few things that I think 
uh, are necessary kind of in this, it's not a fight, but in this progression. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of them is, as we talked about earlier, don't look at it as a time waster and search for new applications. I think things like educational games and exercise games have a lot more value than people give credence to. Yeah, I think... Um Oh man, and I hate to use this terminology, but like as a gateway, kind mm-hmm. of it's like if you know if the games are marketed as providing an additional service outside of their inherent value as art, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they're more readily acceptable. Yeah, like that's definitely how I did it. Like my mom was like, "We sports, the, you know, yep. you, you get the little gamepad, you're gonna run, you'll be like a, a little runner on the yeah. on the Wii." And I, I think stuff like uh, Assass- the Assassin's Creed Origins like education mode. Yeah. always comes to mind it's like that kind of capitalizes on lots of the strengths and is just it's solely about teaching you yeah no and i think um, i think that's a really interesting dynamic yeah so I, I think that's kind of step one is like don't look at this in terms of waste of time look at it in terms of what you can learn and how you can grow from something and obviously like if you're playing games 24 7 that's bad yeah, if you're doing anything twenty four seven, if you're watching movies twenty four seven, if you're reading books twenty four seven, that's bad. Yeah, like go do some math, touch grass, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so the, I feel like we have to clarify that, even though it's kind of silly. Yeah, um, but that's that's step one for me. I think yeah. um, I think we need to do a better job of kind of supporting and upholding the creators of games and independent media commentators who analyze them. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, obviously, you're never going to support anyone who has done something bad. It's just, you know, gaming recently has had it's more than its fair share of controversies, especially in the people that make games. Yeah, of course. But I mean, um, like, lots of people, even in those companies, are just people trying to make games. Right, right. Um, um, and I think I think you're right. We do need to better to do a better job empowering the people who are in those yep. spaces that you know haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, the one that comes to mind immediately is the Game Awards, and I think about how like they really shoved those people off the stage and they're like, yeah. let's get back to the ads. It's like, uh, let yeah. them talk. Like, this is their their thing. This yeah, is what and, they and made. I, I think we might even have talked about that on the podcast or maybe off, but yeah. we talk about how, you know, the Game Awards is slightly embarrassing. Like, like every other major art form has its giant award show and it's really professional. Mm-hmm. It's so, you can argue whether or not it's good, but it's professional. And, and ours is... Ours is neither good nor professional. Yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely it's gotten a lot better, but it just I was I was upset, um, especially as time went on, especially after I played It Takes Two, mm-hmm. and I was like, why didn't they let Joseph Ferris talk? Like, let him say his thing. Like, yeah. he was the head director on this. Yeah, and this was incredible. I have no idea how you could come up with something like this. Um. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that's really important. If those people get more of a spotlight and kind of the auteur and the the, the creative mm-hmm. is is given more of a shine and more respect, yeah, then that's that's more of a, a gateway, as you said. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, obviously, everyone loves the engineer. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves the great mind, um, you know, the great mathematical mind. And but there's, we are talking about an art form. Yeah. So. I think the cre- in, in any art form, the creatives usually get the shine, except for art for some reason. Yeah. Um, um, and then the last thing I have here is is weight. Because, I mean, games really, they, they're the newest in I, terms of things like that. And, and speaking of mathematics, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something. The slope of gaming currently is positive. I think games are <laughs> trending up. 
mm-hmm. in a way, in in at a, at a more rapid pace than any other medium, I think. I think in quality and in acceptance, we're we're reaching new highs every week and every month. Mm-hmm. Um, like Horizon yeah. Forbidden West, probably going to be a great game, and probably going to convince some people that storytelling in gaming is is possible. You know, mm-hmm. telling great stories in gaming is possible. So I think, um, I think waiting is where it's at. Yeah. Um, cause it was weird when it came out and, and people were not horizon, but like games as a whole. Right. Uh, and people didn't really get it. And it took like the new generation, the kids to get it. It was marketed to kids for that reason. And then those kids have grown up and they're, um, they understand it more, but some people still don't. And some people are learning. And then some people even our age just don't get it because it's yeah. not as prolific. You know, it wasn't as prolific 10 years ago as it is now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as understood. And so I think just playing the waiting game and kind of just doing these things like little by little will help kind of promote it and, and show what I say the potential, but potential implies that it hasn't been realized, realized. And I'm sure that the best game of all time hasn't been released yet. I don't think there is a best game of all time, but you get what I mean in terms of like, I don't think we've hit the peak. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's that's something that another one of my math like math teachers talks about like they they're giant soccer fans and they're like the greatest soccer player of all time never played any professional soccer like the likelihood that you found the greatest professional soccer player of all time is is incredibly low so the greatest the, the likelihood that you and I ever play the greatest game of all time is is literally zero you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I, I mean that's a good comparison because you think about like uh I don't know what's a good example. And it's it's the best football player, the best basketball player isn't Michael Jordan. Yeah. He hasn't been born yet. Yeah. And our, I mean, maybe he was born and died. You know, the best the best basketball player probably never played basketball in the NBA. <laughs> um Yeah, I, I think the point is made though that right. that there's there's a, a ways to go. I'm just kind of right. I guess holding uh where we are and, and doing what, what should be done to kind of promote that legitimacy. Right. And I think, you know, this is not like go forth and spread the gospel or anything. You know, it's not, it's not like you have to spread the gospel of gaming. It's just like, it can just be like, no, I, this is my opinion on it. And yeah. And I think you're wrong. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of gotten to the point where I've had some people when it's like, Oh, I tell them that I work in games or, you know, it, or it's brought up and it's kind of dismissed. It's like, I might like say something. So I'm not going to be like antagonistic. It's like, not, right. This is not, that's not what I mean. Yeah. I'm not going to do the Fortnite L dance. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I, I might plant the seed of like, right. this is, you know, maybe you should look at it a different way. Yeah. If you're looking at it, um, right. in this, in this negative light. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think we planted a seed Zane. I think we did. Um, it, and it only took like an hour and a half. Wait, only an so, hour and a half. Yeah. Look at us. Um, <laughs> no. So I, I, I really enjoyed this. I uh, I've wanted to wanted to do this one for for a little while, and I'm hoping to do more stuff like it. Hoping to get more guests on. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we got this one. Not that we got this one out of the way, but I'm I'm glad we finally did it. Yeah. No. It was it was it felt like the elephant in the room for a couple episodes. It yeah. was like. I feel like we're doing all this criticizing and we haven't discussed <laughs> how, how highly we think of games yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I'm uh, glad we were able to do that. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for talking to me, Zane. It's been fun. It's been a fun hour and a Thank half. Thank you for having me. Thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. I hope this was. I hope this helped. I hope this. I hope we made some sense somewhere along here. Maybe some cents and dollars, and then. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is again. I think I said it last week, but new podcasts. We're still trying to figure out not just how to do the podcast, but what exactly this is. This is, right. and I think this got us a step closer. Yeah. So, thanks for listening. Thank have you, a good, have a good week. Have a good day. See you all later.